Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. Uh, we're going to get into the Rivian and uh, a little bit of recap of the Grand Prix of Long Beach and a few thoughts on the uh, Toyota Land Cruiser that I've been driving. But before we get started, here's a word from our friends at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com. Why spend 30 to 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have? Why spend so much there? Why not go to rockauto.com? It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Everything from engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, write CarCast in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. An amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Hello, good morning. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. What's going if, on, man? If the intro was me in the twin turbo charger, you would hear a big crash be hitting the wall after I hit second gear. Oh. And the thing's a bitch to learn how to drive, dude. I got to tell you, man. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I need a runway. I need a runway or a, or a tarmac. Yeah. Right on. Well, definitely don't hit a wall because uh, <laughs> there's a lot. No, no. I mean, we keep talking about... I don't want to be Richard. <laughs> right, <laughs> Richard Wallings. Yeah. Uh, wait, is it Rawlings? Is it Wallings? <laughs> Wallings. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, on that car, we've talked recently so much about the the power on that thing, but uh, we haven't really touched on like seeing it in person because a while back when uh, Salvaggio was doing the body work and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to do some carbon and I'm going to do red." stripe we're like okay (laughs) exactly when when some of the photos kind of got teased on that thing it it looks good a good combination of the gloss paint and the exposed carbon yeah i can't come up with stuff like that you know i don't have the in the uh the creativity to do those little details but i mean they they did a hell of a job the thing's beautiful it's funny i mean i've had it two weeks and i haven't put videos out on it yet but i just i want to do it right you know, I want to do it right. I want to be able to drive the car without looking like an imbecile uh, without killing myself. And I want to be able to put something out there that's cool. But, you know, hopefully soon. Well, uh, at least get some, you know, get a couple of beauty shots of that paint and put it up on yeah. your Instagram just so we can take a look at that thing in person. Because at this point, it was only kind of teased in a few close-up shots, the detail shots. And although it's not an over-the-top paint job, it's black. It's just the right way like you said just a pretty good artistic look at how to do the gloss black with the the exposed carbon and then kind of break it up with with a stripe of some sort like what do you do what color do you use how much do you use where do you put it uh i always i agree with you there's always kind of a thing an artistic thing with that of just like how you bring a line across a body line, you know, a, a stripe across a body line. And any little thing on the side of that body can oftentimes throw it off, not just like a door <laughs> handle, but just the way it curves up or down. And 
And uh, uh, anyway, just something simple like that um, takes a little bit of thought and quite a bit of experience. Yeah, it's, it's a good looking car. You know, thank you, man. It, I tell you what, it looks beautiful next to the uh, carbon charger. I mean, to the uh, carbon uh, challenger. I got to get both of them washed and get it out there and get some beauty shots. They're just they they play off of each other. Remember how we did the yeah the the uh, flares? You know, kept them mm-hmm. carbon, and so it's it's quite similar. But uh, enough about my car. Well, um, the Mustang Mach One, as you guys know. Uh, We've sort of teased it's it's getting some carbon fiber as well with our friends at Anderson Composites. Uh, they're developing some parts. They're using the car to develop some parts. But in their catalog already, uh, they have a handful of Mustang parts. And what's interesting is on that car, it has uh, – it's the fighter jet gray uh, with the appearance package. It's got the black uh, and the orange stripe on it, again, which looks cool. And – you know, to your point, the black hood stripe has a combination of sort of a satin, sort of a matte black and a gloss black. Gloss. You know, so even just the sticker is complex, right? Because it's mm-hmm. got the orange and the two shades of black. And uh, so there's some interesting things on that. But then all of the black trim on the car, like these splitters and a little bit of around the fenders, not quite a fender flare, but, you know, basically that's kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all done in a in a textured molded black, which we were looking at it going, well, these would be great as carbon fiber. And can they develop something that's not super custom, but something that could be purchased by other Mustang owners? And, Throw it to Anderson. They could, they'll do it. Yeah, so they're doing it. So uh, uh, I haven't seen the car in quite some time. Make making payments on it. <laughs> I, yeah, I know that's for sure. Ford keeps asking for their money. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I was down at the Grand Prix of Long Beach and got a chance to connect with them. They had a couple of other cars there. They had a, they had a uh, Charger and a Mustang. They had a GT350, which they had done some parts on. Um, and again, just kind of getting up close and seeing those parts in person, you know, it's good quality stuff. It's it's really nice. They had some gloss carbon parts on display and some matte carbon parts on display, um, and they're they're cool. Uh, personally, for me, on on like this Mach One, I think I would go with the gloss carbon. I I just I just think the the matte carbon is kind of cool, but it's a little racy, right? It's a little looks like a dry mm-hmm. carbon, and it looks a little kind of race-ish and on this particular car uh, I wouldn't mind having the gloss carbon and uh, a nice UV clear coat and and I do kind of like like to bring the car into the garage and you know put on some music and detail the garage and not have to worry too much about oh am I going to get some wax on that matte carbon and then I don't want to give it a, a shiny spot by by accidentally buffing it I was like just I just want to shine the whole thing, right, and kind of make it a little bit easier. Uh, I, in, in your head, you're like, oh, it would be easier to just skip those parts. Don't even have to polish the hood. I was like, yeah, but you, but to do it right, you kind of want to tape off the edges of that hood so you don't get any polish on it. And then what do you do when you want to put a little bit of UV protection on it You know, through a, a wax or a ceramic coat or something like that? So yeah. I don't know. Just the kind of the thought was – 
otherwise you'd have to maybe even wrap it like you were doing. You have a combination on, on your TRX, a combination of the gloss wrap and a satin wrap, right? Yeah. And which which I could do, right? I could do a satin wrap on a carbon fiber piece uh, and protect it that way and just keep it a, a satin finish. But I don't know. That's my suggestion. Yeah. But uh, time, time will tell. You'll yeah. figure it out. Uh, and then the other parts that they're developing, we'll get into when they launch. But um, I did talk to them, and uh, you know, big decision for them. And they decided to not go to SEMA this year, which yeah. means my car's not going to go, and uh, they're not going to go. Uh, so we kind of talked a little bit about what other events, you know, would make sense to to show the car, right? So yeah, we've got fabulous Fords forever. It's a huge Ford show here out in California. Uh, and the Grand Prix of Long Beach, which obviously just happened now in September, is normally in April, and that's going to be the schedule again for next year. So although they just did it now, they're already gearing up to put it on the schedule for IndyCar for April, and they do have a big display there. So the car could go in April to that event as well. I that'd say, be a cool. That'd be a cool spot for it. Yeah, you know. You take know crowd into consideration it's not your normal muscle car crowd but it, it's your it's not and um grand prix of long beach you know great event they race on the streets of long beach down shoreline down by the water but it's on the property that's near the aquarium and there's sort of a mm-hmm. convention center there so a lot of the vendor booths are indoors at a convention center so i went around and saw you know acura's display and the anderson composites guys indoors mm-hmm. and uh our friends at galpin autosports they brought in their whole semi truck and a bunch of their galpinized vehicles uh mm-hmm. so it's kind of a cool venue to pop in indoors you know have a little air conditioning get out of the sun for a moment and check out all the vendor booths and they have some of the other racing cars in the back areas as well that gives them uh, like the vintage race cars and stuff that they always have, they're usually there as well, and the sports cars in the back. So they get a place to sort of uh, work on their cars, pit on their cars indoors in in a nice a nice area. So it's a cool venue. It was a great race to go to, uh, a little different than it has been in the past. We went on Sunday for race day. Uh, Typically, I would go Saturday as well and be able to connect with a bunch of people and talk to the drivers and connect with our friends, Graham Rahal and Simon Pagano. Uh, but we didn't make it down on Saturday. We went Sunday. The plan was to get there a little bit early and, uh, you know, if we could say hi to people. I know race day is very hectic, so not to really, you know, waste anybody's time. Um, but... Uh, I didn't realize that they were doing uh, vaccination. You know, you got to show your card for everybody going into the event. Uh, I thanks to Acura, they gave me some credentials, invited me to their hospitality, to their suite. Uh, but they sent them in the mail, so I never really even thought to like, <laughs> oh, go to the website, find out ticket information, because a lot of people knew it. I showed up. There was a line as far as the eye could see. Uh, to their credit, it actually went faster than I thought it was going to be, but it definitely added some time to to the to the whole process. And everybody that was coming in, regardless of what type of ticket or credential that you had, you had to show your vaccination card and get a wristband. And uh, 
And I mean, it's fine. It worked. It is something to think about. Uh, future events, future venues. You can't have three people at a fold-up table doing that. You need you need you need fifteen twenty people. You know you need to somehow get that big line and toward the end of that line have it start splitting into fifteen or so smaller lines. Uh, you know, you, you just having the table with three people uh, is just not it's just not fast enough, um, and it's a little frustrating. When you're looking at a schedule going, oh, the vintage race is at 1045 to 1115. It's not a lot of time. And, you know, yeah. you roll in at, 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 uh, you know, 1110 and all you do is hear the last five minutes of the race as you work your way to some yeah. place to, to see it. So just something to think about. Uh, especially when you get into, I, I have a feeling that venues like this that are sort of pop up venues are, are a little different because, uh, you know, SummerSlam at the stadium, at Allegiant Stadium, they have several points of entry and they funnel people in, you know, even kind of based on where your seat is. If you're in section, you know, section B, row 22, you kind of drive around the building to the B section parking lot, you know, so there's multiple points of entry. So something like that in Staples Center, it's probably a little bit easier. But anyway, it's kind of a kind of a, a madden, maddening thing. But that being said, uh, it was a fantastic race. Uh, we've got some 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 race results on that as well. But I hope the SEMA uh, guys are listening to you. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> Just something. Although I'm not going either. Oh, you're not going at all. You're not going to SEMA. All right. Well, there's scheduling conflicts. Um, I I am going to SEMA, and uh, but I'll tell you, I we we got up to the point of the deadline where where companies need to make their final decision or if they're going or not going. The deadline being, you know, do they lose their deposit or do they get their refund back? And yes, they they probably lose their deposit by Goldberg's garage. And uh, and I I think that that deadline came and went about a week or so ago. But uh, when that deadline approached, I I started to hear from several companies saying, oh, yeah. you know, just a heads up, we're not going, we're not going. So. Um, you know, like we said, it's a it's going to be a different landscape of of a SEMA show. But you know, I still got some work there to do. Want to get some interviews. Still want to get in there and uh, and and go to the event. And uh, uh, not exactly sure what's happening on on the podcast side. There was some talk of of Adam and I doing some stuff out there as well. Um, but. Honestly, I have I have no idea <laughs> what the what yeah. The so I'm gonna have I'm in the same boat you are as far as like debut in the car. I, I gotta you know, look for the next event to debut the twin turbo. Yeah. Well, um, I I'm kind of thinking uh, uh, I would like to try to bring my car out to uh, Barrett Jackson in Scottsdale in, in Arizona, and uh, yeah, we should maybe we should talk about that. Maybe we can uh, somehow get a couple of the cars at a Bravago booth out there, and That's a uh, great idea. See if we can work it out with them that um, you know that uh, you and I will be out there for for a stint and have a couple cars out there and set up a a little uh, bar or something uh, and sell some Bravago, and so people can try out our our, our hard seltzer as well. 
It sounds like a plan. <laughs> it might be. Uh, oh, there we go. Might be something we got to start kicking around. Um, as far as uh, I, we, we were talking about, I had the I had the page here in front of me, but um, uh, IndyCar. So at the the race. Uh, Colton Herta won the race. Joseph Newgarden was second. Scott Dixon uh, filled out the podium number three. Uh, and then Alex Pillow was fourth, and that's significant. I'll tell you why in a second. And Simon Paginot, our friend, was fifth. Um, oh, nice. And uh, Alex Pillow coming in fourth is significant because this year, being in September, the Grand Prix of Long Beach was the final race of the season. So he took fourth enough points to put him into the championship slot. So he is your, uh, your Indy car champion. Alex below is your Indy car champion for the year. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, of course, coming in second at the race, enough points to get second for the season and Pato award still did well and took out the, the number three for, for the season. So, uh, congratulations to those guys. Um, also, what we saw in the news was uh, after I think about seven years with um, Simon uh, Pagano running with Team Penske, uh, next year he's going to be with uh, Meyer Shank Racing, I believe with Elio Castroneves. So we've got two uh, Indy 500 winners, um, but he is making a, a change to join that team. And I believe the two cars that are running are the United Nations Sirius XM cars. Uh, I don't know what made the change or whatever, or, you know, it's just the way these things happen. Um, Let's get them on and ask them. That's it. Get them on and, <laughs> and ask them. Right. But uh, uh, everybody seemed uh, gracious about uh, the, the, you know, the stint that they had. And he certainly had many wins and an Indy 500 win with, with Team Penske. So, uh, you know, <laughs> no hard feelings there, right? A very successful, <laughs> run, a successful yeah. run over there. I remember, uh, I remember Simon coming into the studio years and years ago, and he didn't even have an IndyCar ride at the time. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do some sports car racing and hopefully get back into Indy. And then almost immediately, maybe six months after he came in, probably all credit to the show. <laughs> yeah, so we need to bring him in again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get that luck again. He signed, his, he signed his deal. And, you know, and since then, he's won an Indy 500. He's gotten married. He's got a baby. Now he's got a new ride. And uh, I'm not going to say it's all because of this show, but uh, just, most of <laughs> just, just, just <laughs> something just something <laughs> attributed to, to the show. But everybody, uh, it, it's a great event if you can make it out to the Grand Prix of Long Beach in, in April. Uh, it's a it's a cool event that they do because it's and it's a week long event. There's the sports car racing, and uh, they got the trophy trucks out there. Sunday we saw some of those. When the IndyCar guys are done, they bring out the big ramps and they run the trophy trucks on the streets on that track, and they jump and they all smash it into each other. Every time we watch, I'm like, why are they still running the off road tires? <laughs> I always kind of wondered why the big knobby tires. I guess it's the only – I don't think they have like a street tire, you know, that's large Boom. enough for those trucks. But they're a lot of fun to see and they're just – I don't know. They're they're leaving carnage on the track. This is, by the way, why they run at the end of the weekend is 100%. there's carnage all over the track, bodywork, flipped over trucks. What do you think the uh, overall attendance was comparatively? 
That that's kind of tough. Um, looking at the lines to get in, they seem pretty big. Uh, the weather was was interesting. It was. It actually had a, a cloud cover. It was kind of gloomy, but cloud cover the entire day. Like you normally, you're out there, you know, looking for water and putting on sunscreen, and and it's fine having a nice sunny weekend. But uh, I would imagine this was really great weather for racing because it's just a nice, cool, slightly damp air. Uh, it it seemed like. I got to say, it seemed like attendance was down. Um, you know, just walking from from the hospitality suites to the convention center. Uh, you know, it, it was a, it was an easy walk getting in and out of those things. Um, there's different types of credentials you get for the paddock area and things like that. And we just sort of walked in. And normally, there's a there's a you know even a line of ten people just checking credentials, and there was just wasn't that. So I would say. Attendance was down, um, and look, it could be, it could be COVID. It could be time of year. You know, a change in schedule in September uh, could be the issue. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, the requirement of proof of vaccinations. They also had like the rapid t- COVID testing there. That's another line you can get in and just do the quick test. And if you, if if you're negative, you can go into the event. But. Um, you know, I would imagine that that obviously is going to deter some people, right? We had this conversation with with Chris Kirstein from SEMA as well. You know, there's a mask mandate for SEMA, so you know that's fine. Uh, but as far as proof of your vaccination, uh, unless Vegas and the county out there implements something like that for large attendees, you know, attendance venues or, or events like this, uh, they're they're not going to do it unless they're forced to do it. And then, you know, as far as all the individual companies, I guess they can do what they want with their employees and kind of make the decision. But, I, you know, it was a great race. It was a great event. I, I agree. I think attendance was down. And they've got uh, until the April event to to hopefully things get better and clearer and, uh, and we can focus on that. I, I think a schedule change is a big part of it as well. Yeah, no question. You know, from an it's April event to a September event. Combination of a number of things, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, curious. For sure. Uh, okay, so let me tell you guys about Trico. You know, over a century ago, Trico was the first to make wiper blades, and they've been a step ahead of Mother Nature ever since. Trico engineers study your specific driving conditions to make sure you're ready for anything, even if it rains actual Cats and dogs. Not quite sure how that's going to happen, but it's possible. Anything, probably more likely where you live. It's going to happen over here. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to – between the weather and the animals and everything else. Or sheep. It's, it's, it's more likely to, to rain cats and dogs and sheep. Well, whatever the weather, Trico wipers maintain maximum windshield contact. And no matter what your driving habits are, you'll always find the right wiper blade for your vehicle. Trico, it's the future of wiper blades since 1917. To find a store near you and see the latest offers, visit TricoCatsAndDogs.com. It's T-R-I-C-O. TricoCatsAndDogs.com. Check them out. Uh, So all the buzz. Yeah. What information do you have on the new Camaro? The Z06? I I, I thought they weren't built. (laughs) I think it's done. My neighbor got one. It's a convertible, and he's and he drove it. Yes, he was driving it yesterday. Uh, 
I don't, I, I, I don't understand. I, I thought they were discontinued. Yeah, I thought they were done with Camaro. Well, he's got a brand new one, and it's a convertible, and the thing is absolutely beautiful. Uh, you say Z06, but could be ZL1? 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 Yeah. So the ZL1 they were already making, and I believe they do have a convertible version. So there, I don't think so there's any reason. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's it's the send off vehicle though. Like it's kind of the end. It's the supercharged real. I've driven the ZL1. It's fantastic. Hey, it's the one to get. If you're ever going to get one, it's the one to get. If you ask me. Yeah, it's Shit. a it's a badass car, but uh, but yeah, but it's pretty much ending. Yeah, but you get it for those both those reasons. I agree. I mean, why not get you know get the Halo car in the in the the last of the Camaro lineup? Now, I don't know what's going to happen to the Camaro nameplate. Maybe they take a few years off and we come out with some sort of electric or hybrid version of a sports car at some point. We're all half all the car companies are going in that direction anyway. Uh, they're maybe they're just not quite ready for that platform, right? So they've got to take a few years off. And maybe I'd be interested to hear their strategy. Really, you know. I mean, it makes sense that they can't abandon this sports car forever. I mean, you can take some time off. I mean, you know, Corvette obviously is still got a big engine in it, Uh, and then probably the next version, we'll probably see some sort of hybrid Corvette and maybe some EV version of the Camaro. That would kind of make sense. But in the meantime, I don't think they're selling nearly enough to keep that assembly plant busy, you know, like the, yeah, I'd make so, it go, make it go away and then make people want, make people, if you make it go away. It makes people want it more. Right. right? And bring right. It back in four or five years as a hybrid or all electric vehicle, get the nostalgia of the, of the, the nameplate and, you know, hopefully drive their business. And, and whatever that requires at the manufacturing plant, either the plant starts doing something else like a trucks or a new Colorado or something like that, or they start revamping it for EV production, and they maybe have a platform that is underneath multiple cars, like an EV mm-hmm. infrastructure or architecture could power a new Camaro and possibly a new sedan of some sort, and maybe the yeah. new assembly plant gets ready for for that. Obviously, you know, with the unions and stuff, they want to keep a plant busy, and right now there's just not enough Camaros being made to probably keep that place uh, busy. But I, I don't know enough about where they're making those cars to say for sure. But that's just, just history is sort of sad. That's kind of you know the way things go. But uh, you know, and actually speaking of discontinued vehicles, uh, I wasn't going to get into this too much, but I'm driving the uh, the Toyota Land Cruiser, and Land Cruiser has. Such a history and such a capable off-road vehicle and uh, collectability now at auctions for the older ones and what Jonathan Ward and Icon has done with them. It's cool. But the one I'm driving now, when I first got in it, I was a little frustrated. I was like, this is a Toyota Land Cruiser. It's $90,000 and it feels 10 years old. And then I realized – they're not making it anymore. This is it. So how much money are they going to keep investing into the end of this vehicle? Uh, and, you know, they did invest into, you know, the Lexus GX platform, right? The big mm-hmm. Lexus version of it, which I can understand $90,000 for. But the Toyota Land Cruiser at 90000 is tough. And honestly, it's like, I get it. It's, it's, a, it's a big SUV. It's three rows. Off-road capability. Still V8 engine. But 
I got in it. And it was just, it really just kind of felt 10 years old. I drove it uh, to my trainer. Uh, I go and see my, my guy, Lou, and he sees all these cars that I drive all the time. I rolled up in this thing and uh, he's like, oh, uh, this is a nice SUV. And he opened the door and he looked around and he goes, is this used? Is this a used vehicle? He goes, I'm here. And and I go, oh, no, it's not. It's just, he goes, yeah, I don't know. He goes, it just looks like, you know, like my wife's whatever, eight-year-old Range Rover or something. It's like, yes, that's kind of what it likes. Not to mention I'm getting nine miles per gallon. So some things need to, to, to nice. change. Now, that being said, uh, it is for the off-roaders that are, you know, uh, uh, fans of 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 the of the vehicle, uh, the Land Cruiser. I was thinking Land Rover for my head. I was like, did I say Land Rover before? I meant Land Cruiser. Um, maybe this is one of the last ones that you want to be able to get for you know for that same reason. You know, going. You know what? I do like its off road capability. It's a big car and it has a V eight. You're never going to get that again. <laughs> right and uh yeah so it, it feels like a tank and it doesn't have some of the modern technology like carplay and stuff like that but especially if you have if you're using it as a weekend uh tool or a second location like you have another another place and you go off-roading seasonal or something like that and you want to do it in luxury then uh maybe it's something that you you would like and you buy that defender yeah then you buy the defender <laughs> you probably what's don't. the price point on that compared to the the defenders are are pretty affordable from you know from the base model. It was meant to be fairly affordable from there. Um, I want to say because uh, they did a hell of a job revamping that. My neighbor's got one. I see it quite frequently. It's it's a pretty car. It is a it is a pretty car. Um, I I drove a, a I drove one maybe a couple, and you can get them kind of stripped down. Yeah. Right, and then you can you can you can load them up, but they do. It's a pretty good combination of. By the way, starts at under fifty thousand bucks, forty seven thousand seven hundred. Completely blowing that Land Cruiser out of the water. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and it can go up from there, but it being a Land Rover, it needed to have sort of the right combination of of a functional interior that you can wipe down easily and get dirty and sort of have that Jeep-esque kind of feel to it, but also have enough of the luxury feel of things, soft-touch materials and stuff to make it feel like a higher-end vehicle. And in that regard, I thought they did well. Uh, and then you can decide if you want sort of the more rough and tough version, sort of the more stripped down interior, you know, uh, don't worry too much about, you know, luxury carpets and stuff. Get the big rubber floor mats that, you know, hold mud or snow and or you can dress it up. And I do kind of like that version of it, you know, sort of what Bronco's intention is or, and certainly what Jeep's intention has been for a long time. But yes, to step it up to a little bit more of the luxury brand, Defender is pretty cool. Yeah, it and, really is. And when you mentioned that ninety grand price point, I know that came in under that. And yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. It's there's half. no comparison as to which one I'd pick. Yeah, it's half that, but it's exactly like what I talked about. You know, I've got a friend that uh, lives out here in L.A., runs a company out here in L.A., uh, and then picked up a, a little a, a property in Montana and. 
that's the car that he got for Montana. Was got got the four door Defender, uh, and I constantly see like pictures, and he's you know he was out there over the, over a few months, and you know in the snow and skiing and doing whatever and and having a good time and rolling around in the Defender out there, right? Nice. And it was it was perfect for that. It's perfect for that, you know. Sure, that means you got to have two homes and plenty of money, but <laughs> but I'm just saying. Uh, but just, you'd save all that money by buying the Defender. I suppose. Yeah, you would. You'd save yourself, you know, forty grand or fifty grand or whatever, thirty grand, depending on how you get it outfitted. Uh, okay, so let me um, let me tell you guys about McGuire's, uh, the Good Guys Rod and Custom Association show, and then I kind of want to get into this Rivian truck a little bit. Good Guys Rod and Custom Association is coming to Del Mar, as we talked about before. It's out here in California for the 20th McGuire's Del Mar Nationals at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. It's October 1st through the 3rd. Ah, man, it's a huge show. There's over 2,500 classic cars and trucks on display with an autocross, a burnout competition, and vintage dragster exhibition. There's a huge swap meet as well with hundreds of cars and parts for sale. There's fun for the whole family. There's going to be live entertainment. There's a model and pedal car display and a free kids zone. So bring the whole family. Tickets go on sale now. It's at good-guys.com. And uh, kids six and under are free. But if you want $5 off your ticket, go to goodguys.com. Use promo code CARCAST for 5 bucks off. That's a good event. Haven't been down there in a while. I've been there uh, way too many times. Uh, (laughs) And not bringing your checkbook doesn't ensure you're not buying (laughs) vehicle that auction. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I can't go with those two. (laughs) Do you take car? The autocross was awesome. The autocross is awesome to see, by the way, if you guys haven't got a chance to just see it in person. And uh, there's uh, there's they're not schlubbing around out there. There's some people that that are pretty competitive. And uh, I can still I can still hear Mary Posey yelling at Wanda going around the track. I think when I went down to that one, one of the cars that I think Troy Trapania built uh, showed up like a Nova. I think it was a Nova and just had a big old pro charger on it and just coming around the corner you just hear that thing whistling from from let's seem like a half a mile away you just hear that that pro charger awesome. yeah it's just it's got to be the straight cut gear i don't know just definitely some kind of uh real loud sort of race blower on that thing and it was it was sick to kind of see it but all right so rivian we're uh the electric trucks are starting to hit the market. Rivian is the first to be out there. And we know the next one is, I believe, uh, the the Hummer, the all-EV Hummer. And then next year, beginning of the year, the Ford F-150 Lightning. And interestingly enough, three very different vehicles. Um, as far as what they're trying to achieve off-road, certainly competitive, but Three looks, three sort of intentions behind the vehicles, but uh, going off road uh, is is at the top of the list of a lot of sort of the testing. So I didn't get a chance to go out and drive the Rivian, but they did an event, I believe, in Colorado. They invited some people out, some some journalists, and out for I don't know if it was a day or a couple of days. And they got to kind of do a little bit of everything from off roading and water and camping and and kind of put these trucks through the paces. I will say uh, there is an advantage in that world when it comes to being an EV, right? 
let's take range out of it, right? Uh, but first of all, the the low end torque, the instant torque from an electric motor, right? Mm-hmm. Huge advantages there. Rock climbing, low speed off roading, all of that huge advantage. Uh, two, the one pedal driving that often, like all of these EVs, have some sort of mode for it. You can turn on and off, but you can uh, ease into the throttle a little bit to move it forward, ease off the throttle a little bit, and it basically slows the vehicle down, essentially applying the brakes. Does it with the electric motor. Uh, so you don't have to lift your foot off the gas pedal or you don't have to left foot brake. So especially low maneuvering, speed, low speed maneuvering is it seems a real benefit. But the other benefit that you kind of forget about is we lose power with our gas engines with increased altitude and certainly ways to make up for it would be a boosted application. Right, so I forgot what the ratio is. It's like eight horsepower, eleven horsepower for every thousand feet you lose some horsepower, mostly on a naturally aspirated engine. If you, if you're turbocharging or supercharging, you're forcing air into the motor, and it helps to compensate for some of that altitude. On an electric motor, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, the, the electric motor doesn't care about altitude. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, where you are with using it. Look, um, our friend Gail Banks, uh, Gail Banks works with the military as well, and that's no secret. He does a lot of work with them. And uh, all of the full-size uh, Humvees o- overseas, th- that whole terrain is at a high altitude. So he had developed a an upgrade package uh, that would – Increase the horsepower and torque and be able to be installed and maintained in the field, right? It it included a a tune and some intercooler upgrades and a couple of bits and pieces that they can send the package overseas and the military can install it. Whatever a Humvee gets, I I don't recall if it's like 80 horsepower and gobs of torque. And at that altitude, it ended up making like 60 horsepower and his packages bring it back up, if not a little bit more to the to the stock thing, it's just a, a a a pretty simple package, and you know a part of his business model was sending a bunch of those over to the military. So, as an EV, you don't have that. So that's one of the things just to kind of think about. We you know the low end torque talked about all the time, but mm-hmm. the effect of altitude is something I don't think we really talked about too much on it. Uh, throttle anyway. response, throttle response too. Like you said, low low speed crawling. I would imagine to be much more steady and much more controllable in an EV. I think so, especially if you can dial it in through, yeah. th- you know, through programming or through an interface or a touchscreen. Uh, you can dial in the stages of of uh, engine braking, if you will, for lack of a better term. Um, you can dial that in, uh, but. Can you dial in sort of throttle responses as well? If you can't, you will be able to at some point because that just seems like an easy over-the-air update. You know, they can just you put your, your truck to sleep and the next morning it's got that new feature. So, I'd sure like a handbrake just to make sure that the, I, I knew the process of braking in, in one of those. Well, right? so first of all, the brake pedal is always there and it always works and it applies actual brakes. In this case, Brembo brakes. So you always have that. But the idea of 
doing the yeah doing the one pedal throttle look i did it in the mustang mach-e just driving it around like i left the the facility and then i drove it around in traffic and it is a little bit of a learning curve you know you're you're on the throttle you're getting up to cars in front of you at a stoplight you start to let off the throttle and it starts to slow the vehicle down without you applying the brake. But it feels like a brake is being applied. You're just not using your foot to do it. And through sensors and stuff, it's seeing the car in front of you. So it applies a little bit more toward the end there. That's what it certainly felt like for me. Uh, so you can you can adjust that to different levels in the Rivian. I think there's three levels. Um, and you might be able to turn it off completely. In the Mustang Mach-E, you can and just use the brake. So driving around town on city streets from stoplight to stoplight, I turned it on to see how it was. But when I got up into the man- to the Malibu canyons and we were doing, you know, cutting some some curves and cutting through the canyons, I turned the feature off and I just wanted in my head to have the relationship between the throttle and the gas pedal, the brake pedal. Uh, so it was kind of an interesting feature. So um, pretty pretty cool stuff. So. Uh, when we get into vehicles like this, I always like to, uh, to read up on what our friend Dan Edmonds is talking about. He's, uh, he's very well versed in the, the truck world and the world of suspension. He's very famously have done the videos and the suspension walk around and he brings it into his house and he's got the ramp and measures articulation and everything. So it was nice to see that he was one of the guys that was invited out to this event. You can check out his review of the Rivian at Autoblog. Uh, but uh, a very interesting, favorable review. Um, there's different power configurations and ranges. Uh, I believe there's... I, I there's I want to say it's a four motor setup, uh, one on each wheel basically. Uh, it's combined over 800 horsepower. It's 835 or something, and pretty equal. I, I think it's 415 horsepower to the front wheels, and the rear is 420 horsepower. Uh, the torque is a little different: 413 pound feet of torque in the front, 495 to the back. Uh, but combined, it's massive. Uh, and uh, apparently it was fantastic off-road. Now, it's smaller than an F-150. And one of the things to think about with Rivian is uh, I just drove the F-150 Power Boost, um, loved it. There's a, there's a couple little things that were minor issues for me, but uh, I thought it was great. I loved it. And around town, I felt like maybe it was a little big. Um, so the Rivian might be more might be sized better for the city dweller that wants to have the truck and go uh, but sounds like a perfect california truck it is so here's all things considered here's the thing though is you someone your size would want to get into a Rivian before committing a Rivian. I mean, obviously you're oh, squeezing yourself into a Challenger and a Charger. So you're 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 no stranger to you know how you fit in vehicles. But if you were getting a truck and you know for the intention of having the room that you have probably in, t- in your TRX, that's not normally that's not going to be the case here. Now something no different on the on the Hummer EV and the F one fifty, but those vehicles are are 
they're kind of going after a little bit different audience, those three vehicles, right? Now, the, the Rivian has been out in the Amazon fleet, correct? Yes, that's right. So, so Ford what's and the Amazon. Feedback, even though that's not to the public, what's the feedback been on the vehicle? I don't know that we're privy to that, (laughs) but uh, a lot of of testing has been done. And I think Rivian is also delivering. So they're just delivering their trucks now, the the pickup trucks. The first ones rolled off the assembly line. Customers are just getting them. They were a little delayed, but not quite as much as we thought, about a month. Uh, And I believe they are also have been testing – the electric delivery trucks for Amazon. So that platform that this is all based on is out there. I assume those electric delivery trucks are a scaled-down version, right? It's probably only got front-wheel drive or some sort of just two-motor configuration and maybe more range or, or, or who knows. It doesn't have all but of the— still, they've got some yeah. great R&D, right? Yeah, yeah That's normally never happens. It, prior it, to the sale of the vehicle to the public. Yes, in a fleet setting. So as far as like, they probably were able to roll out a handful of these electric delivery vehicles in several different environments. So they're exposed to weather, they're exposed to, you know, a lot of that start and stop. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, you're right, just a, a constant charging, just a lot of things in a real world, uh, you know, commercial environment they were able to do. Um. You're going to have to go in uh, and check out and read more about the Rivian. But uh, 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 Dan digs into some of the nitty-gritty stuff, the four-wheel independent suspension, the double wishbones out front. It's got a unique multi-link in the rear, um, uh, air springs, an adjustable ride height. You can adjust the ride height or it can adjust it for you to based on certain settings like highway speeds uh, and How things like that. I'm sorry? How much you ate for lunch? Yeah, right. <laughs> they could do. also. It does a load leveling if you're towing a trailer. So, but it also it's smart enough to figure out. Hey, you're at highway speeds without anything in the truck. We'll lower the truck for better aerodynamics and handling. But if you're at highway speeds with a trailer, it doesn't level the. It doesn't lower the truck because it uses that suspension for load leveling. So it's got some pretty pretty smart things in it. Um, it doesn't use. Uh, conventional sway bars. It uses an electro-hydraulic roll control system, a little bit like what we saw when McLaren uh, first delivered their MP4 12C cars. It uses hydraulics to simulate roll control without having a a conventional sway bar. Uh, so they can control it independently without the left side affecting the right side or vice versa, right? Which is what a sway bar does. So a little bit more control on that. Um, it's fast. Uh, you know, uh, this configuration, they're estimating 0 to 60 in three seconds. Um, f- as fast as, as the Humvee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible. It's as fast as what the Hummer is supposed to do. Um, but the F-150 is not that fast. The F-150 is still fast. Four and a half seconds estimated 0 to 60. But... Um, oh. Right, but less horsepower, and they're going after much more of the F one fifty audience. Um, you know, the, as a work truck, so it's kind of interesting to where these these three vehicles will will uh, fall into uh, the category. You know, the Rivian, uh, interesting style. Um, it's growing on me. It's it's kind of cool looking. Uh, 
a little smaller, but a little bit more on the luxury side of things and priced that way. The EV is, is it like the Ranger size. No, I, 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 I probably would say a little bigger than a Ranger. I'd have to compare it to to the Ranger specs. Um, I think it's a little bigger than that. Maybe more like Honda Ridgeline, okay. right? F one fifty is supposed to be more of the high volume, lots of options like the F one fifty lineup, right? Mm. Um, they're going after the F one fifty audience, and that F one fifty audience will buy anything from a you know twenty nine thousand dollar truck to a seventy nine thousand dollar truck, right? So, Especially if it says F one fifty and has a generator on yeah, it, yeah, right. right? Uh, and then the Hummer is is over the top. It looks like it's going to be the most fun, and you can remove the roof, and it's giant, and it's going to make a statement. But also, it's over 9,000 pounds. It's fast, but uh, I don't know how the hell that thing's going to stop. Uh, it's got to use its motors along with braking. It's just uh, – I, I, it'll be interesting to see what the testing is on that. But anyway, you – you cut it, stopping 9,000 pounds and trying to throw 9,000 pounds around a turn is is a big feat, right? So there's a, there there's that. So uh, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll dig into this a little bit more. I kind of want to get um, some thoughts uh, from Alistair Weaver as well. But there are some pretty cool features that uh, – that stand out. First of all, that gear tunnel behind the cab in front of the bed. That's the gear tunnel. It's got doors on each side of the vehicle. You can open them up and slide all the way through. It's the entire width of the vehicle. It's like something like seven feet of storage. And Rivian's going to have several options of what you can do and what you can put in there. But the aftermarket's going to go nuts with this thing as well. Oh, you God, talk yeah. about overlanding and camping. Imagine a seven foot long, whatever, six foot long slide out kitchen that comes out, right? That's, you know, that uh, has stove top and barbecue and storage and like really, really cool stuff or, yeah, you know, camping gear. It's just it's it's a really cool feature. There's also an on an onboard air compressor at the back of the vehicle. There's a there's a hose hookup, long hose. So if you're off roading and you air down your tires, you go right to this air spout. You hook up the hose. You can refill all the tires and get going again. Onboard compressor. Who knows what else you can use that for? Uh, it's got a cool little uh, uh, like Bluetooth camping speaker. No, I think it's Bluetooth. Maybe it's USB, but uh, uh, you know, it it docks in the vehicle, like in the center console. But then you can take it out, and you have kind of a a speaker that you can play some music to. Um, uh, you know, you know how the Rolls Royce when you open the door, it's got the uh, the umbrella. umbrella that pops out. Well, Rivian has a flashlight <laughs> that pops nice. out, so that's kind of a neat a neat feature. So there's a handful of things. Oh, and because it's got an independent suspension and EV, uh, uh, under the bed, there's a giant storage compartment in the bed as well. And I believe it can hold a spare tire. I think it can hold like a 34 inch spare tire or something in there. So it's, it's, it's pretty big. It seems like it'd be tough to get it out, but, uh, and then keep in mind, these EVs have a large frunk, Right, so talk about more storage there. Um, anyway, it looks cool. I can't wait to drive one. I'd love to to uh, you know maybe talk to uh, Alistair or somebody who's driven it and spend some time with it to really get the driving impressions. But Rivian, 
Hummer and F-150 are the three trucks to keep an eye out for. Very different things. But between now and, I don't know, I think spring of next year, all of those will be available. Uh, The Rivian is fulfilling orders now. I believe in the fall will be uh, pretty soon is going to be the Hummer. And then uh, next year, early next year, I'm not sure if it's a Q1 thing or a Q2 thing. Um, But it feels like a spring thing for the uh, F-150. What's the price on the Rivian? Uh, the Rivian, I want to say the Rivian starts at... 60? I, I thought it was around there. Let me, uh, I don't want to get it wrong, so let me just see if it's in this. Because we've been talking about this truck for, what, three years? Four yeah. years? Yeah. Uh, let's see. The one that they drove was 73000 Um There's a $67,000 version... Uh, let me see what they're trying to figure out what yeah. category fall in price yeah. wise. Yeah, I don't see how. Yeah, if I think it, it's. I think it's, it's about. For 60. I, I think it's sixty-seven-five is the base price. Where you know, keep in mind, the Lightning is supposed to be. I don't know forty thousand base price. You know, and the Hummer, I don't know what it is. It could be a hundred thousand dollars. You know, oh, easy. You know, yeah, uh, uh, so yeah, they're definitely going after a different audience. For for sure. And and the range is going to vary. I think there's like a 250 mile and a 300 and something, 315 mile Rivian. Um, I don't know if it's out yet, but there's supposed to be, maybe it's a late availability, a 400 mile version. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But I don't know. Everybody's got some catching up to do when it comes to Lucid. Lucid hit that 520 mile range. Uh, that's uh, pretty impressive. We were talking 200 in the beginning was going to be unreal. Yeah. Out of here, five hundred with a thousand horsepower. I mean, yeah. Geez. Well, to be fair, you could get the five hundred with like the six hundred and eighty or something horsepower, and yeah, uh, right. but the and but the thousand horsepower is still like four three four fifty. Yeah, four four thirty <laughs> something. It's over four hundred. Yeah, they figured something out. Yeah, they That's got something true. going on, and they're making the car in Arizona. That's their plant is in uh, in Arizona. So oh, I, wow. I would love to go out there and visit there. Hmm, maybe something. Okay. Uh, let's go. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying. If we're going to go out for Barry Jackson, we might want to take a little half day off and see if we could visit. Uh, I'm in. Visit Lucid. That'd be a nice little field trip. I'd love to do that. Uh, anyone from Lucid, if you're listening, let me let me know what's going on there. All right, before we wrap it up, a word from our friends at Geico. Whether you own your home or rent your home, we know it can be a lot of hard work, but you know it's easy. It's uh, bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. All right, we're wrapping things up. I drove the uh, Lamborghini Huracan STO. I put some pictures up on Instagram and a, a couple of words about that. It's awesome. It's fast. It's batshit crazy. It's rear wheel drive. It's lighter. And the seat will kick the shit out of you. It's the most uncomfortable thing I've ever sat in my life. Imagine what it does to normal size. <laughs> but uh, but aside from that, uh, you know, I'd probably change the seat and have a field day with that car. Uh, the Land Cruiser we talked about, I, I want to get in more at some point to the F-150 power boost. I had some thoughts on that. Maybe we'll save that for another time, uh, possibly next week. But um, let's see. Are we missing anything else? I think we got it all wrapped up. 
I think we're good. I'm going to go out and uh, start erasing the power poles outside. <laughs> there you go. Just start painting like leaves on them and stuff like that. Make them look like That's trees. What I'm going to do. You know, just dress them up in like the camouflage mesh so they look like <laughs> leaves out there. And uh, yeah, you got giant power poles in his backyard to get power to his to, to the garage. It is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it now. Um, you're going to be spending all the time in the big garage anyway, so um, you. Just don't stare out that side of the building. Exactly. I'll look out the front instead of the <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, look out the front instead of the back. But uh, oh, yes. uh, all right, man. Uh, Goldberg's Garage. That's the uh, that's the place you want to go. You can go and uh, check out the shirts if you guys want to pick up the shirts. It's at uh, well, if you go to his Instagram page and follow the link oh, in the profile. Um, but it's uh, Bunker 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 Branding. Bunker yes, Branding. Go to them. Was there, Bunker yes. Branding, and uh, you can check out his fun stuff now. And uh, Thanks, guys. Until next time, keep the air and the spare in the bag of the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. RockAuto.com. Why spend 30 to 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have? Why spend so much there? Why not go to RockAuto.com? It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, everything from engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, write CarCast in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you an amazing selection Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com.